Hi, I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Thanks once again for joining us and uh, we've got well, we're just looking on the screen now. It's a great five-a-side team. It's a, a veterans one and a couple of young pups. <laughs> and uh, joining me, uh, looking from right to left, uh, I've got Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hi, Luke. Am I one of the young pups? Um, <laughs> uh, veteran status just below that is Rob Laurel. Hi, Rob. Woof, woof. <laughs> he'll, he'll talk. He'll talk us through his um his five hundred career goals that he scored soon. Uh-huh. I'm sure. How many goals was it, Rob? Six hundred and forty-eight. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Not that I was counting. He's like he's like Pele, isn't he? Um, and <laughs> <No>. also, <laughs> and also joining us is uh, Dicky Wharton. Hi, Dicky. Hi. Good morning. Oh, good afternoon. Actually, now isn't it? Yeah. Good to be in your company again. Yeah, the goalkeeper, as you just said before. Yeah, I'll take that role. I'm happy. I've done that before. So, And the captain, the star man of the team, it is uh, Kidderminster Harriers, current Kidderminster Harriers midfielder, Lewis Montrose. Hi, Lewis. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, really, really good. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, before, obviously, we look at all the action, how, how are you and uh, how, how, do you, how have you seen the situation this season in terms of, obviously, the season's now stopped, but how's it been for you personally? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, it's been a, a real, real season of ups and downs. Obviously, getting the season off the ground was was fantastic and, and getting the competitive games uh, behind closed doors. And then from there, it, it's been up and down, breaks with um, teams getting COVID and um, other teams not being able to fulfil fixtures. So, And then the season ended up finally stopping. So it's been really a real um, up and down season. And But... You know, I think Kidderminster Harriers as a club have, have dealt with it really, really well. Yeah, it's obviously you are at Kidderminster Harriers now. You've had you've had plenty of clubs across the football league and the national league as well. You've had a very career. You're not you're not that old either, are you? But um, you've had a you've got that experience that you can bring to that Kidderminster Harriers side, can't you? No, definitely. We've got a, a really good squad with some um, very exciting players. Um, the front the front four were really, really good and. And score goals and very creative and and uh, the, back, the back kind of the back four and the two defensive midfielders are quite solid. So that's where we got a bit of success over the season. Uh, let the let the players play and the dogs do the dog work. Really, uh, yeah. Are you, are you the dog, Lewis? Yeah. Well, yeah. I just run. That's all I got. <laughs> run, run and break things up. So that's what I try and do to the best of my ability. It's got to be a disappointment to you, Lewis, that, that that you know things have come to a halt when they were because the, the Harry's been on a we we're on a really really good run, weren't you? You know, leading up to Christmas and and the Christmas period, you know, you you, you were looking really strong. I felt. Yeah, definitely. I think it was it was uh, we're building momentum and and uh, you know that's what winning team being in a winning team and, and being successful is all about is picking up points and not losing football matches and. Uh, unfortunately the season's come to an end now not just our club uh, that are disappointed with that I'm sure everyone across the National League North and National League South are really um, disappointed about it but um, these things happen and we have to move forward don't we yeah absolutely and uh, I, I was at Altrincham against Dagenham yesterday and I caught up with legendary commentator John Helm he's part of Bradford Park Avenue as well so I spoke to him to get his thoughts on the situation and what he's been up to during the pandemic and also his thoughts on the upcoming game that we watched 
So I'm here with legendary commentator John Helm. And, and John, first of all, how are you? How are I'm, you surviving? I'm good. That word makes me sound very old, though. But I'm, I feel like a teenager, to be honest. I, I could be out there on the grass today <laughs> performing miracles, I would have thought, with my left foot. See, I don't. So I've, I'm, uh, I've, <laughs> I, feel, no. I feel knackered, John. <laughs> Neither do I, Luke, really. But I, do, I still love coming and watching people who can play. I think that's the difference. You know, when you were a lad, you always had dreamt of being a wonderful footballer yourself. But you always, even at school, admired the best players. And it's like that now. And I get to see some fantastic footballers around the world. And what, what have you been doing yourself during the pandemic? Have you been commentating off tube and stuff like that? just got back from four months abroad so I've been very lucky I've, I've missed a lot of the uh, the winter I was in India doing the Indian Super League for over three months I did 35 matches there uh, and then incredibly lucky I must be one of the world's luckiest guys I got a message from FIFA to say could I go to the Club World Cup in Qatar on the 25th of January which was the day my visa ran out in India so I went straight from Goa to, uh, to Doha so, uh, and did five matches in the Club World Cup so I've missed a lot of it I've been back a, a month now though and seen you know, seven or eight games Good you can have uh, friends in FIFA eh? <laughs> yeah yeah we'll yeah just, We'll sort you out John get you a new visa Yeah 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 I could do it yeah. Do I have to get a visa to come over the border though from my home in Bradford well, well, <laughs> at the, Probably yeah at the minute yeah. <laughs> Now we're not in Europe anymore Talking of Bradford obviously you are involved at Bradford Park haven't you it's been been a weird season hasn't it in that sense yeah but I was actually delighted because the previous season had been absolutely miserable it was torture we were virtually relegated from day one when we lost 5-0 away at Curzon Ashton to be followed by a 5-0 home defeat by I think it was York City and we, we were definitely going to be relegated so we're one of the few clubs that benefited from the pandemic uh, but this season Mark Bauer came back and uh, we were doing okay we were scoring a lot of goals so even though we were conceding a lot we were super to watch we drew 4-4 at Gloucester who were the leaders we drew 3-3 at um, Fylde AFC mm. Fylde we drew 3-3 a lot of high scoring draws and we were about 15th, 16th in the table when when everything uh, ceased. But encouraging, we've got a 3G pitch now, so the place mm. is looking good. There's been more investment, a rugby league team's playing there as well. Bradford Bulls are training on our pitch, so it's all good, all good. Yeah, and you recently sold Lewis Knight as well to Notts County, and it's good to see players progressing from your club. You had Alex Hurst in the summer, didn't you, as well, go to Port Vale? We've always said that, that we would never deny anybody program, progress, and Lewis has been terrific for us. He joined us three years ago. Uh, having come back from the United States. He was on Leeds United's books as a junior and then went over to the States, uh, a degree, uh, got that, came back. We snapped him up. He had a great first season, a mediocre second season by comparison. But this year, he was fantastic. He'd scored 11 in 14, which made him the second top scorer in National League North. So good luck to him. And he's, he's, it's a good move, hopefully, for Notts County. He will walk straight into the first team. He accepts that. But we're really delighted he's moved on. And we've still got Nicky Clee playing for us, of course. And here we are in Altrincham, synonymous with the name. Well, yeah, I mean, God... It must be. Is he pushing? How old do you know? Oh, he's 25, he tells me, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And in terms of the football club, the football club's in a stable place, is it, despite all that's going on? It's in a very healthy place, actually, uh, and hopefully even healthier once we get people using this 3G pitch. It's fully booked yeah. up, believe it or not. Uh, similar to what Harrogate Town had, which ironically, of course, they had to rip up because they got promoted into the Football League. So we don't want that to happen just yet. But no, financially, we're very stable. Uh, we're not one of the highest payers in the league but we do get good players in on loan we signed a few last year a lad called Isaac Marriott from Huddersfield Town very good 
uh, a few others from Leeds United. So yeah, Mark Bauer uses that market very intelligently. On to the day, uh, Altrincham against Dagenham. Uh, really interesting game, is it? Dagenham probably underachieved a little bit, even though they're on a decent run. Altrincham had a really good start. They're kind of plateauing a bit now, aren't they? Well, you'd think that Dagenham would be exhausted after the week they've had. You know, they had a game uh, postponed last Saturday, but they, they built up for it. Then they played on Tuesday night. Then they should have played Stockport County on Thursday, and there was a problem with the the, uh, the rail transport up here. So that one got postponed. So the, the, they were due to play four games in eight days, including two Saturdays. Well, that's crazy, isn't it? So, but I'm looking forward to it as a match. I mean, I think Dagenham have probably underachieved this season, uh, and Altingham, great. I mean, uh, if you given, I mean, what was it fifth? Altingham finished last season, one promotion via the playoffs, uh, and they're in decent shape. You know, thirteenth in the table, three places ahead of Dagenham and Redbridge. Should be a good game. Excellent. Cheers, John. Enjoy it. That was John Helm. We'll get on to the result from that game shortly. But uh, what we'll do is we'll look um, we'll look at the National League results. And I know, Lewis, you can give us your input on this because you'll know a lot of players who are playing in that division as well. And uh, at half-time, it's funny, actually, in the National League, only four goals have been scored across all the matches at half-time. It was, uh, I was thinking, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> but thankfully, that situation improved and, and Sutton went into the weekend clear at the top. They had a solid 1-0 win at Chesterfield on Tuesday and it looked like they would keep up that charge at the top of the tables. Harry Beatman put them in front midway through the second half, only for Stockport to do to Sutton what Sutton had done to many teams this season and score very, very late on. It was James Jennings with a last gasp equaliser, Rob, and it was a, a dramatic day. It was, and um, if you're looking at the day itself and the match itself, testing the credentials of Stockport, can they get the challenge going this season? And that's probably one more for Chris than for me. But for Sutton, yeah, it felt like defeat to uh, Matt Gray. Um, that's exactly what he said afterwards, but stand back a little bit, get some perspective and having chased down an 11-point lead, having got themselves a few points in front as well, Sutton have had a really testing week. They've played Chesterfield and Stockport and they got four points out of six. They've now won eight and drawn two out of ten and their their promotion bid is, is very, very much on track. Chris, from Stockport's point of view... Massive goal that late one, wasn't it? In terms of the belief, the confidence that they're trying to put together right now. Yeah, I know it's cliche, but that'll feel like three points, won't it? That'll feel like a win. Um, when you score with in the sixth minute of injury time, it's huge. Interestingly, listening to, to Simon Rusk's interview at the end of the game, he felt they should have had a couple of penalty decisions and then they would have been chasing for a win rather than a draw. But hey, doesn't every manager say that <laughs> uh, at, at, the end, um, at the end of a game? But... Um, by all accounts, it was an entertaining game. It was it was end to end. Both managers referenced that um, County at the post uh, early on in the game, and uh, I think that was really big for, for Stockport that they didn't lose yesterday. Um, because obviously, you've seen the statement of intents they've made recently with the signings that they've made. They, they really went for it, and I think if they had have gone down to a one nil, they've lo- they've lost to a few one nils this season. It would have been. Uh, would have been a bit of a blow. And Lewis, obviously, you, uh, you've you played for Stockport, can't you? You're aware of the, of the size of the club and the, and the ambitions they've got. No, definitely. I think it's a, it's a massive, massive club and I really thoroughly enjoy my time there. I think uh, from where it was when I joined it to where it is now is, is phenomenal. Uh, the inroads that they've made, um, 
and yeah, I, I imagine that they are a, a promotion, um, a promotion favourite. Whether they do it um, through the playoffs or whether they try and try and push for the automatic, I think that might be a little bit out of reach. But um, you know, it's a it's an exciting club to to follow and, and be around. Yeah, it's funny. It felt that I saw a few comments after the game. I think there was a little bit of um, spice about that. Obviously, I think that there was some um, Stockport fans um, felt that Sutton paid the price for it for have been you know trying to run the clock down when you had a, a narrow one um, nil lead. I know that was something that uh, their previous manager manager Jim Gannon had really drilled into them that that I think I'd likewise seen him celebrating a, a late equaliser for County um in similar circumstances. So so there was I say a bit of spice about that one and and, and you're well acquainted with the, the, the score of the equaliser as well, aren't you, yesterday Lewis? James Jennings, he's he's a friend of yours, I gather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and James uh, when we were kids at Manchester City we, we played we played uh, together all the all the way through there and uh, we stayed in contact and I actually sent him a few old pictures of uh, us literally yesterday of us playing together. So um, it was great to see him score them and it's good to see both of the Jennings brothers doing well there. Now, you, you put him in a good mood, clearly. Some nice uh, memories and uh, yeah, it's paid off. Just finishing off that one then on uh, on Sutton. We had Matt Gray, the manager, on last week and Harry Butman actually scored the goal yesterday for, for Sutton. Um, and we asked him the question about... The old chestnut, really, about the 3G pitches and they they came close to promotion a few years ago, didn't they? And they had to look at all that, tearing up the uh, 3G pitch. And he, he batted it off superbly, didn't he? He said, I've told the owners and everybody, that's not my job. They need to worry about that. I'll concentrate on matters on the football pitch. But uh, um, and, and in due course, just what, 48 hours or so later, Sutton released a statement. As follows, promotion to the Football League carries a number of implications and we are working hard off the field to address these, many of which we have previously experienced following a strong season in 2017-18. We are really pleased, sorry, uh, I added the really, we are pleased to confirm that our application to EFL has been accepted. Should we be fortunate enough to be challenging for promotion as the season progresses, we have a schedule of works to undertake tasks which we are addressing right now with several projects already fully planned out, ready to be implemented if our current on-field performance continues. Um, and they basically said to finish that uh, uh, whatever happens, they'll be ready. Yeah, well, I, I remember I remember that season a few a few seasons ago, Rob, and I think there was a very different um, message, if I'm right, coming, coming from the club. And it was more of one of, um, let's challenge this and see whether... You know we can get in the in the football league with the uh, with the pitch. So it's it's interesting that this time, obviously, you've seen Harrogate have to do it recently as well. That they're uh, they're obviously they've got a roadmap this time, and uh, they're obviously going into it prepared. I also think there's a little bit about the fact that you're releasing a statement like that. There's 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 an acknowledgement in there from Sutton, isn't it, that that they are actual contenders now. We've spoken about them flying under the radar and that not really being talked about as contenders. But I, I you know, I think the very fact that Sutton have, have put a statement like that out is is almost an acknowledgement they're putting their hands in the air and saying, Yeah, you know, we we're, we're going for it. We we are in this fight and and we want to go up. And sometimes you're maybe not ready as a club. Maybe they weren't ready three or four years ago, which is why they're thinking, well, at least if we've got the 4G pitch, we've got funds to fall back on with people hiring it out. But now they probably feel that they're ready as a club. And if they do have to rip the pitch up, they're going to go and give it a, a good go when they, if they do go up. 
I nearly said when they go up, if they go up, of course. Because <laughs> uh, Torquay and Hartlepool have a lot to say about that. Torquay had a rough Tuesday evening. They got stuffed at Maidenhead and it looked like the wheels may have come off, but they responded by beating Kingsland 1-0 thanks to recent signing from Chesterfield, Scott Bowden. Connor Lemonhay Evans tweeted afterwards to say it was a massive three points and it was, wasn't it? Because on Tuesday we thought that's it, they're just going to, not peter out but the wheels had literally come off and they needed fixing back on quickly yeah i'd absolutely agree with that they'd, they'd won um they'd won one in seven before yesterday um and considering the start that the start they had to the season we were we've referenced it a few times now but we were having a discussion here we're just going to hand the title to to Torquay. so it's been um it's been a difficult time and um Kingsland are a tough team to play. They, I mean, they're, they're down there, but they, they're attacking and they, they always go for it. So a 1-0 win against uh, Kingsland is, is an excellent victory, yeah. I was just going to bring Lewis in on this one, actually. I mean, you, you know, you, you've got a lot of experience in your career. I, I do imagine you've been in, in similar situations, you know, when you're, you, you really are in need of a run like that. And it just, I, I mean, what does it do for you as a team that, you know, you get a, a win like that? Oh, any, uh, wins, wins breed confidence and I think when, when teams are confident they, they can uh, overachieve and when teams aren't confident they can really underachieve so it's massive to confidence is everything in football and especially um, when you then you start believing your teammates and your team and that's what it does it just breeds confidence winning games and the more you win obviously the more confident you are the better teams you start to see teams go on runs um, I remember we were at Fylde a few years ago and we had a really sticky start to the season and uh, we ended up in the playoffs with Dave Chandler. So it's just about uh, winning games. If you can actually turn turn the, turn the screw and, and win a game, then you start to find you a lot more confident. And Probably just, just gives you that reminder that, you know, you are capable, you've done it before and, and just reminds you of all the things that, you, you, that were right before and that says, you know, they haven't gone away. It's just confidence, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was just going to say as well, I suppose even if you are on a bad run that, um, and you are near the top, even if you're playing a team near the bottom, it's not it's not a given that he's going to win. And I suppose it's just a case of win at all costs. Get a scrappy 1-0 win and get back on that horse, isn't it? Reese Oates scored a vital winner for Hartlepool after back-to-back draws for them. With the way the Sutton result went, that was a much-needed and vital three points for Dave Challenger's men as they beat Woking by a goal to nil. Yeah, and... Um... That was one of three games yesterday. We talked about the lack of goals that were nil-nil going into the last 12 minutes, uh, all of which got ended up getting 1-1. It just shows you how, how so many key goals are scored in the last 10, 12, 15 minutes of games. Um, the other interesting point uh, on that one is um, that uh, my BBC uh, sorry, sport colleague, Gab Dennison, picked up a bit of exclusive last week, which I think has kind of rumbled its way out there now. But in his post-match with... Um, Alan Dowson uh, uh, in the week. Uh, Dowson came out and said, Woken need to win their FA Trophy semi-final against Hereford, otherwise he's going to furlough the team for the rest of the season. Um, quite a shocker. Very Alan Dowson-like as well. Um, and it begs a few questions, really, about what's right, what's ethical, what's right for Woking, bearing in mind they're going full-time next season. Um, and, and, and conversely, as well, another subject, is Alan Dowson the right man to take Woking to be a full-time club? Because that would be a new area for him. I know he was, um, he was a full-time manager when he was at Hampton, and I'm not sure if he's, like, he's in a full-time role at Woking and the club's part-time. But ah, yeah, yeah, it'd yeah. Be int- Just to clear that up, he was full-time at Hampton and he is full-time at Woking, but the team isn't. Mm. 
Yeah, but so what I mean is obviously he's he's suited to that role, but it's whether like you say with the goal full time, you want a more is it fair to say experienced manager at this level because he has managed two seasons at this level now, hasn't he? So he's absolutely brilliant at getting results um, out of his team, um, out of overachieving. But I think you know overachieving against against expectation with part time players. That's a role that he knows and plays very very well. He doesn't know it. He wouldn't know himself yet what he'd be like. And, and are Woking prepared to um, to go with that? If you're an, if you're a club that's devising a full time strategy, um, do you go with the current incumbent manager or do you do you change? I mean, that would have been the same predicament, Chris, for for Stockport with Jim Gannon, and we all know how that one ended. Uh, but he was given a fair crack at it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and I think Alan Dowson should be given a fair crack at Woking. To be honest, I think his record um, shows that. Um, I think I personally think he's done wonders with Woking over the last couple of seasons. So um, yeah, give him give him the chance and see and see how it goes. Um, if I could just make a quick point on on Hartlepool since since they beat Stockport on the twenty second of December, they've only lost two games, and those two games. We're both away from home and they lost by one goal. Now, what a run that is that they're that they're on as well. They've, they've timed it and um, they've timed it well because it, it's uh, you know it's gotten in, in second position in the league so far. Yeah, and it's ten ten games unbeaten at home, nine wins and one draw for them. So they're they're absolutely flying at home. Um, Eastley they got a one 0 win over playoff rivals Halifax, thanks to Tyrone Barnett and Bromley manager Neil Smith declared himself pleased as they beat Solihull Moors 1-0 as Frankie Raymond got the winning goal, which means everybody loves Raymond. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, hero to, it's the zero to hero again, isn't it there? With yeah. Kizzy off last week and got the winning goal this. And, uh, and, and, and you've just talked about those other two games where, where those winning goals, the only goal of the game was scored in the last 12 minutes uh, uh, for, in those two games you just mentioned. Uh, Notts County, two spectacular goals from Jake Reeves and Jordan Barnett. His first goal in professional football got the three points against Yeovil. And in a quirk of fate as this season, the Magpies have to travel down to Yeovil on Tuesday so they could do the double over them in three days' time. And uh, it was interesting to hear Neil Ardley as well afterwards sort of say, um, we always seem to be studied talking about a crisis after a couple of defeats, but he was quite calm about the situation and just feels like let kind of... Let uh, let it take its course, and and he's confident he will be in the playoffs at least. I don't doubt that they'll make the playoffs um, if they do, and if they get to the final, they need to turn up this year because they didn't turn up at Wembley against Harrogate, and that may have been a lot to do with expectation. And at some point in this podcast, I really wanted to ask Lewis about expectations. It's we talk a lot about confidence in football, but it's mentally so easy to be the underdog. To, uh, to, to, to bat above your weight, to overachieve, isn't it? It's a lot, lot difficult when all the pressure and the expectations there and that must have played its part in um, the sudden turnaround in fortunes that filed over the last couple of seasons. No, definitely. I think, like you say, it's, uh, when, 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 uh, things are, when things are going well, they're going really well and think when things are going bad, they go bad. But I think it's almost a lot of the time players put um, expectation on themselves and pressure on themselves alongside maybe their families, their, their, their manager. There's so many different factors that um, are involved in um, just a game of football. I mean, I was listening to a podcast with Ricky Miller and, uh, you know, he talks about his struggles and, and what he found quite um, 
difficult and, and that's football I think at this level it's at the lower league level it's um, the expectation is it's hard because it comes from all angles it comes from teammates um, it comes from managers it comes from family members it comes from friends um, so it is massive Can that affect performance do you think Lewis because obviously a team like Notts County um, are always going to have that pressure they've got local newspapers writing about them all the time they've probably got phone-ins on the local um, radio stations can can that affect really affect your performance? I think it does I think you know like you say I think fans fans forums um, because people read uh, the positive but sometimes when they read the negative um, they're, they're the ones that hit home you see it even at the top level is a, a getting um, scrutinised for whatever reasons and it affects of course it does it's, um, yeah it does I was going to say is it, is it a case of do you try not to read all that then or, or can you not subconsciously help yourself in a way to see what the fans are saying I think everyone's different aren't they I think personally I don't really I stay away from the social side of things um, in terms of the Twitters the fans forums and things like that it's not for me because like you say the one bad thing might be the thing that, that stands out to you but ultimately it's about um, what you do on the pitch and, and doing the best things you can do on the pitch because nobody goes out onto that pitch to play a bad game. They want to win. They want to be successful. Um, so, yeah, everyone's different. Some people need to read it. Um, there's, no, there's no wrong and right, really. I was going to ask, and it might not, you don't have to answer this, Lewis, but do you know when players say, oh, you hear fans say, oh, fans, uh, players have down tools. Have you ever, you don't have to name names or clubs, but have you ever seen an instance of that where you, where, dressing's gone do you know what we don't like this manager and we're almost like not going to play for him now no I don't think people are down tools because ultimately who will it affect it'll only affect the individual and it'll only affect the team so I think every player goes out onto the pitch to play the best they can else they wouldn't be a professional footballer it takes it takes a lot more than if you down tools once that might be the end of your career so I think it's about um, I think most players majority of players um, all the, most of the players I've come across when they go on the pitch when they go into a training session they give everything that they've got I think that's maybe some, maybe more of a fan thing actually that you know in, in terms of them trying to understand why a team's not performing they will sometimes come up with that as a theory won't they that oh they don't like the manager so they, they're not trying but, but that's not your experience Yeah absolutely and I think like you say sometimes you get a freak score we were talking about the fouled and Aldershot game um, two teams that are we're at the top of the league um, a few seasons ago. I think it was third versus second versus third, and uh, the score was seven-one. That's not. That's just a bad day at the office. Sometimes that happens. It happens to players. It happens to players that in the Premier League. It's football. Everyone's human, and people make mistakes. And when it doesn't go right for three or four players, um, you might get away with it. But if it doesn't go right for five or six, then you could lose a game severely because you've got another eleven players across the other side of the pitch who want to. Win. Well, Boreham would have just three points off the playoffs, but it could be so much better for them. A fifth straight draw in a row as they played out the game of the day at Aldershot. Rob, I'll let you take this one. Well, we were in the WhatsApp group yesterday. We were talking about the lack of goals, just four by half time. There was 21 in the end, which is four more than last Saturday uh, when it was really low as well. Defences uh, on top uh, at most places, but not at the EBB yesterday. Uh, six of those 21 goals came at the EBB. Uh, a quite brilliant game. It had just about everything uh, apart from maybe a sending off. Um, uh, Borenwood took the lead, shots levelled. Uh, within five minutes of them levelling, Borenwood had gone three, one up. 
Uh, and then uh, Josh Reese got involved with a couple of really, really smart finishes and all shot ended up getting a three-all draw. As for Luke Garrard afterwards, well, he said, I need shooting. I need to be put out of my misery. It's the story of our season. I don't know what to say. The manner in which we're conceding goals at the minute is very poor. There's so much frustration and it's like we've got a weak underbelly from the 65th minute onwards. There's a two-goal buffer and we take our foot off the gas again. That's the third time in a month they've conceded two goals uh, to to end up drawing a match. And uh, it must feel like Groundhog Day at the moment to Luke Garrard. Yeah, it, it probably does, doesn't it, Rob? But when he's got the firepower that he has, he, they get themselves out of those uh, out of those uh, positions. So they probably picked up more points because they have got the firepower. Imagine where they would be if they didn't have, um, you know, Shimanga, for example, up front. Yeah, Shim- uh, yesterday was the best that I've seen Shimanga play. And to be honest, he did all the damage in 15, 20 minutes after half time. He, he'd barely done anything in the first half. What I really love about him is his is strength. When he gets the ball inside the penalty area, his ability to turn and get a shot away in tight spaces um, is, is quite superb. And that is the best he's played against Aldershot yesterday. And as I say, did all the damage in a relatively short period of time. Um, I've got to mention Josh Reese, who's obviously been on the podcast with us a couple of times. That's 10 goals for the season now, even though he's been playing a little bit more of a holding role. He's got that knack of that midfielder coming through to be in the right place at the right time. And I know there wasn't a highlights programme on BT yesterday, but have a look out in the week for his two finishes. The second one was just so deft. After a rare mistake from Nathan Ashmore, who came way out to the left of his box to try and catch a ball and missed it, Bettema headed it back across and just instinctively, Reese just towed it into the corner from about 12 yards and, uh, uh, you know, pandemonium ensued at the ABB. Sadly, there wasn't to be a late winner in that game. It felt like it needed to have one. 3-3 just didn't feel right in the end. I was just going to say, would, he, would his highlight reel be uh, Reese's pieces by any chance? There'll be quite a lot of them, <laughs> wouldn't there? Yeah. Rob, is that his most productive, uh, is this his most productive season in front of goal? No, um, oh, right, okay. I'm surprised you've forgotten that season. Uh, the, se- the, the one that earned him the move to Gillingham, basically, I think it was 16 National League goals, maybe 19 in all competitions uh, for Josh. And I know he'll listen to this podcast on his way into training tomorrow. Sorry, Josh, so, yeah. I know. Enjoy, enjoy your mention. And meanwhile, Josh, don't worry, we'll sack Luke. <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> did you play in the game uh, Stockport County and Darlington was a three-all draw? Uh, it was about... Four or five seasons ago, I don't know whether you were in that one, but that was a similar thing, Rob. It didn't. It felt like there should have been a winner for for one of the one of the two sides. It was such a good game. If it carried on for another ninety minutes, it would have been fantastic. Was that game at um, Edgeley Park or? It was, yeah, yeah. My memory's my memory's not the best, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is, I'm Lewis? Getting old, Lewis. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. You know what it is, though? The footballer's mentality, and you see it, you know, even at these massive wins or these horrendous defeats, you have to process it and move on so quickly, don't you? You literally, you know, any player that ever tweets, you, you know, goes on to chat, you know, we go again, or on to Saturday, on to Tuesday. You just have to get on with it, don't you? It, it is a cliche thing, and I think, like, younger, when I was younger, um, if, we were to go, if we got beat on a Saturday afternoon, I'd take it away with me. Like, it ruined my whole weekend. I'd, uh, I'd cancel all my plans. But ultimately, you can't... And then I'd, I'd go into the next week as well. 
So you have to just forget about it. You can't do anything about it. It's what's happened happened. You've got to move on really, really quickly. And like you say, the old cliches come out in all the interviews, but they're, they're, actually, they're actually so true. Yeah, I suppose that comes from experience, though, doesn't it, Lewis? You know, you learn to kind of get over defeat quicker, don't you? You have to, yeah. And I think it's quite difficult because sometimes, you know, you might get beaten, some lads might be having a laugh on the, on, on the coach on the way home, and some lads might be stone silent but there's no right and wrong way how to get over a defeat because some people everyone deals with things in different ways and um yeah there's no right and wrong way i know fans you know i've seen a few comments recently i think james madison does some post-match interviews you know in the premier league where people say they love how refreshingly honest and open and, and whatever it is and i suppose you've just got a natural confidence about him it, it is that thing i often feel with players is that you know they might get derided for saying you know we go again on tuesday or whatever and it is a cliche but that is genuinely that's the footballer's mindset for, for the large part. That is how you have to think. And I think people just need to understand when they see that, that that isn't because a player isn't, you know, doesn't have feelings about it, but that's just the way they have to deal with how they go about their job. So Weymouth, they're down at the bottom, but it's only one defeat in five now as they thump Wheelstone 4-0, thanks to goals from Josh McQuide, Brennan Camp, and two from Sean Shields, which sees Brian Stocksmen in their most productive form of the season. Now you heard John Helms' thoughts on what he thought might happen at Moss Lane between Odgham and Dagenham. And, and I was there and it was, it was an open game with very few chances, though. The quality into the box wasn't great. It was probably going to be one goal either way, which settled it. If it, and that proved to be the case as Will Wright, who nearly scored a free kick in the first half, then scored a spectacular free kick 10 minutes from time to give Tony Thompson no chance in the home goal. That's five unbeaten for the Daggers now. And I caught up with their manager, Daryl McMahon, after the game. So Daryl, uh, a 1-0 win away from home. You must be really satisfied with that. No, definitely. Yeah, I think we've um, we've come here with a, with a lot of players out today and... Um, a couple of lads who haven't got much experience at Sliver, and I thought we um, started the game really well. We have been playing well, to be honest, in the last six or seven games, and um, delighted to get the win at a tough place to come. Yeah, it was an open game, but quality of the final ball from both sides wasn't great. I saw you having a laugh with Phil Parkinson first half. It was kind of like, what's going on at times? Yes, yeah, it's just that one, you know, when the ball flashes across the face yeah. of the goal, and from us on the side on you thinking where's your centre forward? And I think yeah. it's happened to us a few times this season as well, and I think um, we were both having a, a giggle about it. Yeah, slow start to the season. You're getting there now. That's five unbeaten, isn't it? And it seems quite a young side as well. Is that what's now they're starting to learn about each other and things like that? Is that why you're starting to improve? Many different reasons, I think, really, to be honest. We've, we've not been able to have a settled side our season. We've had two or three COVID cases. We've had numerous injuries like everyone else has. And it's been difficult when we've put a new team together in the summer. We, you know, we, we start, we're starting again. And um, it's always a difficult place to start. But I think in the last, as I say, six, seven games, even a couple before that, we didn't win. We played really well and we're getting some consistency now. Tight game, but what a goal to win it. You know, Will's got down the locker, to be honest. I think he was close as well. Before that, in the first half, he's, he's got excellent free kick and um, delighted that he's got. Yeah, and you're looking to push on now, maybe make a late push for the playoffs? We'll try to. Listen, we'll try to. I think it's important now that we develop these young players that we've got for next season as well. We've got one eye on that. I think we need to give them some game time. Um, and listen, as, as always, you go and win every game you can. And obviously you've got Tim Howard and the, the owners there. I mean, what are they like to work for? Are they just kind of let you get on with it? Yeah, they're brilliant. They're so supportive. They're excellent. Um, obviously, I've been here just over a year now, um, and it's been a, a difficult year in the sense of as soon as I come in, more or less, we shut down because of COVID, and then it's been stop-start ever since. But hopefully now we are trying to get into some sort of rhythm and, and, and we can push the club forward. And that was Darl McMahon. And Rob, quickly, um, we spoke about Dagenham the other week and uh, how Darl McMahon might be under pressure, but five unbeaten now is a, a good sort of platform for him to build on. 
It is. I think he, they may have just started to pick up a result, a few results, just in in, in time. Really, um, last season, Tim Howard and the owners weren't overly patient, were they, with um, with Peter Taylor when 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 they weren't achieving? And uh, you know, listening to your chat with him yesterday, he sounds relaxed enough. I think um, those results will have definitely helped his case. But uh, for me, I, I, I strongly believe that he will have been told. Minimum expectation playoffs this season. They've got quite a gap to fill. It was, but it was interesting. He was kind of like he almost brushed off the playoff talk. Then in his interviews, almost kind of like what will be will be, and it's almost like he's focused on next season and going for it. It seemed like he wasn't, you know, normally go yeah, we'd love to get into it. He was just kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. Almost wasn't he? He's trying to play down the expectation, Luke. That's what they do. They're very good at it. Yeah, I was just going to mention, and it's something we've, you know, not made a huge play of in the last couple of weeks, but it, Altrincham's run of form is, is, must be a bit concerning to Phil Parkinson. Yeah, I'm just having a look now. I think it's one win in their last 10, seven defeats. I think they were something like fourth in the table at one point, and we were talking about how well they were going. They'd already played more games than every other team. That's still the situation, and, and they've hit a really, really bad run of form, and, and, I know from, you know, the resolutions are in past, et cetera, that there is no relegation. So they haven't really got that worry uh, about them. But it, it must be concerning um, Phil Parkinson that, uh, that they've fallen away and he'll be, I'm sure, wanting to understand the reasons behind that. You know, is it because they are still predominantly semi-pro in a, in a full-time league? And, you know, we know there's some new investors come on board at Altrincham. Is that something they're going to maybe look to, you know, address by, you know, moving towards being a full-time model or, you know, hybrid or whatever. Possibly some, some questions there for, for somebody from altering if they want to come on at some point. But, um, yeah, uh, just thought it's interesting, just the way that, that, that things have tailed off there. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting times off the pitch when we've announced a deal with Puma over the last week or so. And uh, they have played more games than everyone else in the league. But also, I think the big worry around the ground yesterday was that they don't want the season to just peter out, finish bottom half, and uh, as, as much as they would have taken at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, I think they just kind of want to have a strong finish and at least if they do push for the playoffs and miss out, then so be it. And it's weird because it took them a few games to find their feet um, in this division. And all of a sudden they went on, you know, a terrific run. You know, you kind of, I look and think, is it is it the confidence they had from the way they came up last season? You know, the promotion through the playoffs and they carried that over. Well, that, that wasn't the case to start with. They did, they did have to find their feet a little bit. Then they hit, a, you know, a real purple patch, but then they've hit a real down as well. So it's been, um, yeah, a, a real up and down season for Altrincham. But you would say, if you, again, if you take all the emotion out of it, all the ups and downs, if you look at the league table, what are they, lower lower mid-table, you would say that's a, a, a pretty consolidating first season at this level. Um, one of the things that Phil Parkinson had to find out was how his team were going to perform at this level, the one that got him promoted last year. And and and, and Chris would have noticed this because we watched the, the altering and Aldershot game. You know, apart from the injury side of things, which hit them quite hard, they... They've had to uh, chop and change it a little bit. They've had to bring quite a few players in, sometimes just for cover, sometimes as part of the rebuild. So um, I think it's going to be a transitionary season uh, for, for Altrincham, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we go back to it, but we, we saw them and they didn't look like they were ever going to score a goal uh, or they were ever going to get another point. And then they went on that that huge run. They've got um, quite a few older players, I think, in, in the squad who've been with them for, for quite a long time as well. And they might be 
be looking at that situation. But for, for Altrincham to be in 15th spot, the 14 points above the relegation zone, whatever that means this <laughs> this season, um, they, um, they I think they're still definitely punching above the weight. And it's a great place to go, Altrincham. And they've got big, good plans. They've got a lot of good people there and everything. And um, yeah, I, I think they'll be absolutely fine. But it's interesting, actually, that we talk about that because it feeds into something that, that Lewis and, uh, and, and us like we're talking about before, about the runs. You get on a good run, you keep it going for 10 games, then a couple of bad results, and then you're on another run for, for 10 games. So it just feeds into that, that sort of narrative that we were speaking about earlier. I think it'd probably be less noticeable if Altrincham had sort of, if they were winning one, then losing one, winning one, then losing one. People would go, well, Altrincham are kind of where we expected, but, you know, when, when they went on the run that they did and got, you know, into the top six, but then ultimately they're probably going to end up maybe where we imagined they would at the start of the season, but it's just that it's it's not been, um, it's been a real roller coaster, hasn't it? There's been a real high and a real low, whereas if that had been evened out, um, I think we'd just be looking and going, oh yeah, Altrincham, they've consolidated nicely. We're going to move on next and talk to Lewis more about his, his, uh, his venture and what he's doing now in life after football. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. So Lewis, um, we hear, we've, as, as you mentioned, we've had Ricky Miller on the pod and we hear other podcasts where you have footballers on who say they struggled with their mental health or a lot when they finish playing as well. Uh, maybe uh, go drinking and gambling a lot. And you, you've set up a company, haven't you, to kind of combat that for, for current players and for players who finish playing, haven't you? So... Um... Uh, an old friend of mine, school friend, uh, Nathan Williams, who works at Stoke City um, as a sports um, therapist. He, me and him have been cycling over the years um, during our off seasons. And um, this last, after last season, you know, it got cut short again. Um, we were doing some cycling, and quite a few other friends and ex-pros started to reach out to us. Said, "Oh, you know, let's go on a ride together. Let's ride." So we just started riding together, and and, and then we formed Fellow Eleven. Um, which is a, the, first cyc- uh, the first cycling club for current and f- professional footballers. Um, and basically what we do is we, we ride online and we ride out on the roads together. And um, it's been proven quite, um, quite a hit, quite a hit and, and lads have been taking us up on it. I mean, I, I have to ask you about this, Lewis. I mean, um, where, why cycling? I mean, it sounds like you've been doing it for a long time. Is it just something you've always enjoyed? You know, where did, where did your inspiration for that come from? Well, uh, over the years, I've had quite a few injuries, uh, and I've just used it as a tool, really, in the off season to just to just ride and, and stay fit and to keep active. Um, and basically, we took it another. I never really used to really wear the lycra. I'd got a decent bike, but I used to wear the shoes and the shorts. But I never really go full hog. Uh, but last season, we decided to, you know, get into all the kit and and the full work. So you might see us around in, in Stockport and around the Cheshire area, uh, putting the miles in. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's it's really really good, and we don't want to um, be, be. We just want to help support um, the physical and ma- mental well being of um, footballers, and it's a completely it's completely free to join. Um, it's a Strava based cycling club. Um, we've currently got fifty three players in there, ranging from uh, the Premier League. We've got some Premier League winners in there, all the way down to the National League. So it's a broad broad. Uh, it's a wide gap of, of players and. It's just bringing people together to cycle and stay active. It's a big squad to choose from if you are uh, forming a team, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. I think I think uh, 
there's a there's a few in there that you'd want in your team, and there's a few, there's a few uh, there's a few you want in for your cycling team anyway. There's some serious powerhouses in there. I was going to say, how how competitive are you? I mean, you know, it, it is about mental health, and it's about that, you know, just um, keeping yourself occupied and doing something healthy. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, how competitive are people in the group? Have you have you still got that? Is that football mentality still there a bit? Yeah, definitely. I think you know we we, we do we ride on a Sunday, and it's like a bit of a social ride. So players who are uh, who have retired, ex players, they might decide to go a little bit harder. Um, current players will. Um, maybe just use it as a cool down. So it's a real tool there for, um, you know, for guys to come and use it as and when they want. Um, we've got some guys there who they can't help themselves, you know, who just want to compete and uh, on the sprints and get some serious what's out. And it's great to see because you're like, wow. And, and some of the some of the top boys, you see why they might have played at the, the top top level because the power that they can output is is ridiculous. And obviously that would have transferred onto the pitch when they played. So, um yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, it's really, really good and exciting. Uh, we're coming up to our first year now, so we're looking forward to this summer and, and um, riding with like-minded people. Please, That's tell, please tell me Adebayo Akinfen was in there, riding. Yeah, so Wickham, um, Wickham's one of my previous clubs and um, he uh, I see that he does a lot of uh, stuff on the Watt bike. A lot of his training revolves around that. Um, and he's not actually in the, in the, in the club at the minute, but... Uh, you know, hopefully we can get him in there one day. I mean, he'd be he'd be an animal on, on the bike, and you can see some of the sessions that they look pretty intense. So, yeah, I, if you go into any um, if you go into any uh, football club, there'll be an exercise bike in there. The top clubs they have what bikes, um, and some people love cycling; they they really get on with it. Some people don't like it, and ultimately, some people refer it as like a they they refer to it as like it was part of their rehab, and they don't like it. But other people see it as a way to get fit and stay fit uh, without putting stress through their joints and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's, oh. it's the purpose. Lewis, I, um, I've done a lot of cycling uh, in, in previous years, but when my bike goes wrong, I can't fix it. And then I get off the bike for ages. Are you good at the, the, the technical, the mechanics of it? Well, I think, uh, you know, I'm no mechanic. I won't claim to be a mechanic. I can do the basic things that you need to do, uh, change a puncher, um, you know, put a chain back on and things like that. So, I think you know, YouTube's brilliant for that. You can just you can you can learn the, the essentials to get yourself back on the road. Uh, it's always good to carry a spare tube and bits and bobs that that you might need when you're out there. But yeah, um, all, all about the preparation, Chris, mate. <laughs> like a football match, if you you know the old cliche, if you don't if you don't um, prepare right, then you know expect to fail, kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> I've just dropped um, while we're recording this. I've just dropped Scotty Davis a little um, a little message to say he might enjoy the box. He loves his site. I don't know if he's already a member of your group, but uh, um, yeah, he's always always on social media, putting a picture of him out on some bike ride with his mates, some of his old, his footballing mates. So um, I've, 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 if he wasn't aware of your group already, I've let him know. Fantastic, that's brilliant. I think, like you say, you, you see, like there's some a lot of players ride, you know, it's, it's really, uh, you actually don't realise how many people ride. Like when you're on Strava, you see the top boys, obviously Ben Foster uh, with the cycling mm-hmm. GK. He's, he's a mass, he's massively into it. Matt Ritchie, um, massive, massively into his cycling. And I remember, um, Eddie Howe putting something out saying about how, um, he needs to stop cycling because it was affecting his football apparently. So, um, 
a lot of players ride, uh, you know. So we just want to encourage as many players to ride and join our club as possible. It's completely free and uh, and just bring people to get together. And it fits in well with what Scotty Davis does in terms of like going around talking about gambling and it all fits in the mental health, the gambling side of it, because I know you've not retired yet, Lewis, but I'm, I'm sure you've talked, spoken, I can't even speak myself. I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you've spoken to a lot of ex pros. And, and as I say, we've heard them on podcasts who are kind of lost when they finished. It's like they've, they've been going in every day for what, 15, 10, 15 years being a professional. And then all of a sudden it stops and it's like, what do I do? And that's when that spiral takes hold, doesn't it? And I suppose that's where you come in, in that sense where, where Scotty comes in, like talking about people about not gambling and then you with your, with your cycling. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I think when I'm coming towards the, 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 the other side of my career and towards the end, and I think I've still got a few more years left in me, but when you finish, I think it's one thing that I've asked my question. One thing that I've asked my, I can't get my words out now. It's a knock on effect. <laughs> but um, no, one thing that I've thought about is what am I going to do when I finish? So that's the question that gets banned around the changing room. You ask people uh, and the similar age to you, and what are you going to do when you finish? Play, managers ask you, what are you going to do? And I think some players, who, some players at the top of the game might not have to worry about the financial side. Players at the, the lower lower end of the game might have to, and it might be vice versa as well. So you ask yourself, what are you going to do as a career? But also, I think it's important to ask yourself, what are you going to do to stay active? So is it going to be cycling? My thing cycling, I like cycling. Some people might play tennis. Some people might play squash. Some people might box. There's so many different things to do, but... What's the thing that that's gonna that makes you take to stay active? Because it's so important, like you say, because players then do spiral out with different things, and it's just, we're just here. And anyone who wants to join and, and be a part of it are welcome. I suppose is that is that something to look at when you do finishes in kind of expanding it out to to other sports people as well you know so it's not just footballers and then it be kind of comes a big a big sport thing because obviously each sportsman will be the same as footballers when they finish. It's kind of like well, what do I do now? Yeah, definitely. That's something that we could look at in the future, potentially. Um, my sport's football, um, and I know what footballers have like. I've been in many a change room, so I think it will work well for work well for the footballers. Uh, yesterday, we went out riding, and uh, we were with Kyle Hogg, the ex-cricketer, um, riding with him. So the cricketers ride a lot as well. So, you know, it, it can all come together, but my focus, for first and foremost, is um, footballers. I'll just, I'll just I'll chuck a business idea in there for you, Lewis, you know, just give you a USP. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll chuck another one in at this point. I mean, I, I don't know. Is is this, I, I know the Professional Footballers Association do do courses and things like that for players who are coming towards the end of their careers to encourage them to think about what comes next and whatever. Is that well-being side of it something that they they focus on as well, do you know? And, and you know, is there a possible link up with what you what you're doing with Velo, Velo 11 and, and the PFA maybe to, to sort of like you know, help expand it that way? Yeah, most definitely. I think that's something that we've thought about. Um, but at the same time, um, it's still a relatively new club and we want to make sure that, um, you know, that we could basically make sure that we're, we're able to cater to everyone's needs. Um, the PFA are fantastic. They've got lots of things and, and, and things and support with mental health and around that kind of um, side of things. We're not really advertising as a, to help mental health. We just help. We, we really want to just get guys together and ride and, and stay active. That's our main, our main, uh, our main mission. It kind of just achieves that just by doing something social and just getting out there and 
being together in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the social aspect that's massive. And you know, if you want to like smash out some serious watts, fantastic. If you want to just come for the social and grab a coffee, you can do that as well. So it's so versatile cycling, and, and you can do so so much. I was going to ask about the coffee and cake at the end of it because that's, that's something typically that cyclists do. Do you, do you have to forego the cake at the end, seeing as you're still playing? Absolutely, no. You, you can have a little treat. Some of the the amount of calories you burn on a ride is is phenomenal. So uh, you can treat yourself. <laughs> Lewis, um, you certainly switched us all on today. Um, if any of our listeners are interested, uh, can you just give it a little plug and where they can find you, where they can get hold of you? Yeah, so basically, you can find us. Um, you can find us at Fellow Eleven on Instagram, Twitter, and if you want to email us about anything, uh, we're at contact at fellow11.co.uk. So, if you've got any questions or you want to join the club, um, find us on Instagram. Find us on the website. You, you've got some. Uh, I think I spotted on your website. You've got your kit arriving for the first time this week, haven't you? You've had some specially designed kit. Yeah, so we've had some kit with Lacol um, branded up and. and our, that releases on uh, Wednesday, so guys can get their kit, and uh, and uh, hopefully we can we'll be doing some sportifs over over the off season. So we'll meet up up and down the country and, and do some sportifs for charity and, and and other bits and pieces. You'll be full like you'll be full like warriors, yeah. <laughs> now you'll be very you'll be very recognisable in that, it, and and you know it'd be great to see you you know out on the roads and doing that. I think, you know, the, um, imagine fans, you know, spotting somebody whizzing past on a bike, thinking, is that Lewis Montrose on a the bike there? But yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, recognise me, but yeah, some of the other guys, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, so if, if you're in the Cheshire area, you'll uh, you'll see them all pounding the streets and uh, yeah, just give them a bit of a, a toot of your heart. Well, actually, I was going to say, maybe don't toot your heart because it might make you jump. But... <laughs> 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 Not advice. Give him a wave. Give him a wave. That's easy. That's a lot safer as well. Lewis, brilliant. It's it's great to see what you're doing. And and as we say, it's um we're a big advocate of the mental health side, and and it is really important, isn't it? And, and like you say, if there are any semi pro or even professional players listening to this podcast to just um, get in contact with yourself about it if they want to know more. Absolutely, yeah. Just give us a follow. Watch our pages, and uh, just give us a, give us a call. Give us an email. We can arrange a call and and uh, take it from there. Brill. So we're just going to look ahead to the, the mid. There's a big midweek program again in the National League, and uh, we are looking at Stockport County. Uh, they take on Eastley. That's a big game in the playoff shakeup, and and Tarky will look to carry on their winning run against Solihull Moors. But uh, Stockport, a big a big signing for them this week, Dicky, wasn't it? Yeah, there wasn't, and I th- think we mentioned it in last week's. But um, obviously, the, the the arrival of of Paddy Madden on a three year deal from from Fleetwood, um, you know, sent a lot of waves through the National League. Really, as a statement of intent for where um, you know Stockport intend to be. I, I mean, they did the same last summer with the arrivals of John Rooney um, uh, and such like, and and you know. It, it clearly does send out signals about where Stockport want to be. You know that the, a return to the football league um, is is clearly on the agenda for them. You know, I can't say on the cards because that's that's down to what happens on the field. But um, <clears throat> I don't think we should be any in any doubt that that's exactly where Stockport are aiming for. Tarky look to maintain uh, get get back to back wins against Solihull Moors at home. Dagenham Redbridge play Hartlepool. So Dagenham Redbridge in form, and Hartlepool go down there and say they're not. Um, 
They've not been in brilliant form away from home, so they'll be looking to uh, win that. And then Sutton, it's the, it's the 4G or the 3G derby. They travel to Hayes Lane to take on Bromley, and that'll be that'll be a really interesting encounter, won't it, Rob? It will. I mean, I've mentioned at different times this season that uh, both those managers and both those teams are very, very good at getting results on days when they don't necessarily play that well. Sutton, obviously, the most efficient team in the National League right now. Um, and they'll go there full of confidence, probably looking to, to, to win. But you, you can nothing, nothing's ever certain against uh, uh, Neil's team. Um, I'll get a close-up look uh, for the second time this season at Chesterfield. See how James Rowe's doing on there. Obviously, they're they're up to eleventh now, the highest position they've been in all season. Um, and, and and after they were due to play at the EBB twice in three or four days, just before their COVID outbreak uh, break, we've waited a long time for for this fixture. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Whether or not we'll get a chance to catch up with James Rowe, I don't know. But yeah, uh, some mouth-watering ties in the middle of the week, and who knows in seven. Seven days' time, when we review it all again after another two games, it could be completely different again, couldn't it? Well, well uh, Lewis, thanks for joining us. It's been absolutely brilliant uh, chatting to you and getting an insight into the mind of a professional footballer and also with what you're doing with Velo 11 as well. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Brilliant. And uh, Rob, Dickie, Chris, thank you very much for joining us as well. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. And uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all platforms podcasting platforms as well Uh, enjoy your football watching we'll be back next week and we'll see you all very soon 